Ladies and gentlemen, you're here for the Humor in Mistakes podcast with me, McNeil. Look, every week, you know we have a guest on our show. We discuss mistakes, mishaps, and missteps that they made throughout life. Look, we sometimes we find wisdom and a few laughs along the way. This week, I have Steve Wolf. He's producer of Stranger in the Alps. Uh, he decided to be a director because it had always been his dream since high school. He had given up on it, but June 2017, he decided to do it. Is that, is that, is that kind of what you told me? Yep, that I, sums it up. <laughs> and that was kind of a freestyle because I was like, I didn't write all the details down. Um, but I just I uh, freestyled that's good enough. it. We, we don't need anything too ceremonious. Okay, here. you yeah. didn't need everything. Um, so kind of what I wanted to talk to you about was, first I want to get to know you a little bit. Hey, who is Steve Wolf? That's a pretty deep question. <laughs> um, what aspects? Uh, well, tell me how you became yourself. So like, let's talk that's, about... That's a very complicated nuanced question right <laughs> i mean like every step of the way leads me to this moment here but. very true so all right let, let me narrow it down a little bit uh when did you first get into directing movies so that would have been in high school all right yeah probably yeah junior uh junior year so third year of high school yeah i took this uh tv production class and uh yeah uh, i don't know uh, at first i wasn't really that invested in it uh, it wasn't really until i uh for whatever reason, I just got really invested my senior year in this uh, superhero movie. It's, it's not good, but wait, you know, I, the, is it on YouTube? I could. Yeah, you can you pull it pull it up right now if you wanted to. Wait, what's it called? It's not it, on your Stranger in the Alps. It's unaffiliated to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's called uh, The Keepers of Balance Part One. The Keeper. Is there a part two somewhere? Will oh, there no. be a part two? Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> the you know, it actually might be fun to do a part two. <laughs> it actually be kind of funny. I mean, I wouldn't be able to get the original actors. It'd be glorious if I could. What was it about? I mean, there wasn't really a plot. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I mean, really, it was just like a bunch of like what I thought at the time were badass like superhero scenes, kind of cobbled together with like a narrator trying to piece it together into something <laughs> sensible. I like doing that. So, like, I have old bits in comedy that were terrible. Like, they were just a yeah. story and not very good. And every now and then I'm like, I'm going to make these funny. Some of them I've accomplished it. Some of them I actually can't tell because they're so terrible. Like, they're so inappropriate that they don't belong. So, it's not inappropriate, but it is terrible. <laughs> okay. So, it's, it's funny for me to watch now. But the best part was that it was made in complete sincerity okay you know like i wasn't trying to make a satire or like a campy b action movie i was trying to make something that at the time i thought was art but you know <laughs> in retrospect i'm like wow <laughs> that's just garbage uh so where should we listen where we can find this what's it called again it's just on youtube if okay you, uh youtube uh the keepers of balance part one the keepers of balance part one okay i like that i like that so let's talk about um so you started doing that in high school, right? Like that yeah. was your first thing. Yeah, and it wasn't like I always had it as a dream either. Um, I guess like one thing my dad would like to attribute to my current propensity towards, uh, you know, cinematography is that, you know, he's always been big into photography. And I guess like my grandpa was also big into it. So take that with a grain of salt, you know, like. <laughs> it's in your blood. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you, you know, you, you saw a camera and it, you just, you had to film. Now, I was involved in films earlier um, where I was more of a talent. 
Okay. So not, you know, behind the camera. You're an actor. An actor. Uh, that's, that's a generous term. <laughs> yeah. um, so for whatever reason, too, most of those uh, early movies, I ended up cross-dressing for some reason. Okay. Yeah, it's like my sister made um, these German films for her German class. So all y'all just do film, the whole family. Not anymore. Okay. Only I stuck with it. Okay. And I stopped cross-dressing. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, for whatever reason, my sister had an option of either making a video or writing a paper for like her German project. So she just went with, let's make a video, because that sounds more fun. Yeah. And I would just be in all of them, because... <laughs> I'm at home, so why not? You just do it. Let's just shame you, brother. <laughs> Let's just dress up in my clothing. Yeah, well, one thing that was kind of fun, though, outside of that, was uh, my sister made this uh, kind of campy horror movie. Uh, it was called The Blobby Blob Project. The Blobby Blob Project. Okay. Yeah, I was the blob. <laughs> so, it, you know, it was obviously, like, sort of inspired from uh, the Blair Witch Project, hence Project as the end of the title. Um, but yeah, I was the monster, and uh, two of my good friends were, one of them was a victim who just died, and the other one, you know, was the hero and slayed the uh, blobby blob. So he killed you. I was, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was murdered. <laughs> so um, doing movies takes a lot of uh, attention to detail, right? So were you yeah. always that way as a kid? Like, were you like the five-year-old who had to have like certain colors in their crayon box or... Like, were you just that attentive as a kid? No, I mean, that's a good question. Um, so I was really not that OCD, though my dad definitely is. I mean, I, I am about certain things, um, but as a kid, I don't recall really, you know, uh, fixating on details like that. It wasn't until I got older and I got invested in certain things that attention to detail became a priority for me. And it's not everything in my life. Yeah. But, you know, when I get really fixated on a project, really passionate about something, I will be very meticulous about the little details and the nuances. Do you find that gets you in trouble? Because I've been that way, too. Like, I've always, I don't say I've been a slacker, but I've been pretty chill. But there's certain projects or certain things that, like, I'm OCD about, care about every single detail, right? And so people notice that. And so, like, there's certain things that I'm just, like, so slack about. They're like, you're just, like, checking in. <laughs> they're like, you. I'm here. <laughs> like, you don't care about this, do you? So, fortunately, I'm, I'm pretty good at at least not revealing my lack of care for something. Yeah. You, well, yeah, like in terms of work and professional things, you know, it's, it's usually not like something that becomes very apparent. Yeah. Like it, there's definitely plenty of projects at work where I'm just like, F this. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm doing it and I'm not as efficient as I could be. I'm doing my job. Yeah. You know, and, and there's other projects that I really like and I think have really cool uh, aspects to them. But, you know, that's to me, that's just kind of work, you know? Yeah. No one's job is going to be perfect. Fair enough. And if they say it is, they're probably bullshitting. <laughs> Maybe that's just me being jaded, but... Oh, no, I get it. I get it. So t tell me this. Um, first of all, where did Stranger in the Alps come from? Oh, good and question. And is it... Uh, and what is the acronym? Like, how do you pronounce the acronym? Because I've never actually heard you say the acronym. I, uh, I was going to CETA. We say CETA. CETA. Yeah. Okay. I mean, CETA, fine. But okay. yeah, CETA technically is how we pronounce it. Um and yeah, like uh, early on before we made our first movie, we're, well, actually, we were in production of our first film. Film is a generous terminology for it. <laughs> um, it was definitely a learning experience. Um, that alone is kind of an interesting story and a hot mess in itself. Um, Talk about it. 
now or <laughs> yeah, finish finish the original narrative. Fair enough. We'll we'll put that in you know, part like, B. I, I do have ADHD, so um, I will. This will probably be a lot of rambling. So I Fair do apologize enough. ahead of time. But um, to stay on topic, <laughs> uh, so you know we're sitting down just trying to come up with ideas for names, and we were kind of spitballing. One idea I was playing with was like Sim Wolf or Wolf Sim because uh, Ryan Simmons, a good friend of mine and coworker. Um, he, uh, you know, was also one of the co-producers. So originally it was just him and myself. Uh, you, you met Anthony, my roommate. I did. I, I kind of forced him <laughs> into the production because he was my roommate. That came later. But originally it, it started with, um, you know, me just one day over a beer with Ryan saying, hey, do you want to try making movies? Like it was literally that unceremonious and non sequitur. Okay. Because, you know, it's something that I had been fixating on for a while. Um, so, like, originally, way back in high school, I had a choice, you know, two paths in the road. Essentially, it was uh, go to Virginia Tech for engineering or go to JMU for videography. And uh, originally, I was set on engineering. You know, I had committed to Virginia Tech, um, had even my dorm room assigned to me, that sort of thing. And then, you know, a month after due dates, you know, after you're supposed to have already, like, agreed or disagreed to their... Uh, I guess it's not really a proposal, but, you know, their acceptance letter. Um, you know, I backpedaled out of it. Because, you know, in that one-month window, that's when I was making my superhero movie. And that's what really uh, swayed me in the artistry over the science, okay. in a way. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, a month after deadlines had already passed, I backpedaled out of Virginia Tech and decided to go to uh, JMU instead and pursue uh, videography. But what's kind of interesting about that is that it kind of it almost went full circle, because um, junior year of undergrad, I decided I wanted to make money and not be you know this uh, <laughs> poor you know working from paycheck to paycheck individual that you know I'm reliant half on my parents willing to be generous and half on working at a restaurant or whatever you know nothing wrong with that sort of thing but. I wanted independence. It sounds beautiful when people describe it like I was like you listen to like a movie director or an actor or something yeah. like I was broke the first 35 years of my life. And I'm like, that sounds like a great story now that you're here and you've made it. Getting there? <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so then I decided to pick up a second degree and that ended up eventually after some trial and error ended up being statistics. Okay. So, you know, not entirely full circle. <laughs> um, you know, it is related to engineering, but I guess, like, the best way to distinguish engineering from statistics is that in engineering, you're looking to make one functional bridge with certain characteristics, and in statistics, you're looking at describing the characteristics of that bridge. Okay. You know, so you're looking at a large sample of this type of bridge and saying, like, these are the parameters, and we will describe them. It's like a sample size, you know, or population, or well, like you're, yeah, you're I'm looking just throwing at, out the statistic uh, right, phrases like, I know. So you're looking at describing a population versus like building a singular instance. Okay. In the case of engineering. Okay. And I make well, obviously, like over generalization <laughs> here, but you know, like there is math, obviously, at the heart of both. Okay. But there are still very different philosophically. You mean statistics isn't very simple? You can't you can't describe it to me in two words. Uh, I need a little more than two words, <laughs> okay. but so I've gone on a lot of first dates, and so usually when people ask me what I do for a job, my typical like elevator pitches, um, 
I apply math to medical data to tell a story. <laughs> okay. So I need an elevator pitch for mine because I think my I think mine is like three sentences and it's too long. And yeah. Then, so uh, what, what do you think of mine? <laughs> it's, it's it's simple. It like makes me want to ask more questions. It's a very date worthy answer. Yeah. Like I figure, you don't want to feed out some esoteric terminology. That's not appealing to anyone. Yeah. Like oh, I'm just trying to show off. I'm smart. <laughs> no, that's stupid. <laughs> like that see i haven't got my see i've perfected a lot of things in like my dating spiel but i haven't perfected describing my job yet i just spend an hour on that just writing different sentences <laughs> like this I, is the perfect sentence to describe my job yeah i, I don't know like first first dates are kind of interesting right because for the most part you have kind of like a set tool that you use and like there's always deviations because you know everyone's unique in their own sort of way so you have to kind of adapt yeah and if you don't adapt, well, that's just going to be a floundering date. But you typically have, like, a set amount of topics that you gravitate towards. And, like, you know, maybe ADD kicks in and you <laughs> kind of gravitate away from some of these. But, you know, you have, like, a base baseline tool that you kind of stick to for maybe some degree of comfort or <laughs> You know what continuity. I want on a first date? Like, I want an ejection button. Like, I want, like, on both so, sides of it. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I get you. Um... There's only been, like, I guess only recently after I've been on so many first dates that I've, like, started to kind of just get fatigued. Yeah. That I've only, like, recently started kind of implementing an eject button, so to speak. <laughs> and, I mean, so I'll give you an instance where I actually did it. Like, I've, I've not done it often. I've only done it really once where uh, I just felt like the person had really, like, misrepresented themselves, both in terms of, like, the pictures in their profile where usually you can kind of deduce when somebody is trying to give a misleading image of themselves based on angles and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, even then, like, I'm still going to be open to still, you know, talking to that person. Like, I, I feel like, fair enough. <laughs> I'm not going to judge you for that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, point is, you know, I'm not going to, like, show up to the date and be like, oh, that's not you. Yeah. <laughs> and then just walk away. I'm going to at least still sit down and talk, even if, like, I want to just walk <laughs> away. Um, but, but, yeah, this, like, case with this girl is, like, it's a case of that misrepresentation and then also, I just felt like she wasn't a very good person. Like, to give you, like, some examples, just, like, the way she would describe coworkers, where she had a friend that, well, not a friend, a coworker that she described as lazy, fair enough. I get that that can cause some embitterment. But then, like, she had some comment about how her coworker was gone for the last, like, few weeks because her, like, mom died. And, but, like, she was still very embittered and petty about it. Like, what? And I was just like, but her mom died. You just <laughs> said that. And, you know, she's like, yeah, hey. <laughs> like after that, I was just like, okay, so one, you misrepresented yourself Two, you just don't strike me as a good person. Like I get when like somebody's lazy and you have a right to be sort of embittered, but you know, you gotta be under, like there's a, there's a line. Exactly. You know, like everyone is human, no matter how crappy they may appear to be. Exactly. And part like, of me, so the reason I will like, if you misrepresent yourself, I don't like it. Like you won't get a second date out of me. It's cause now I'm in, I'm about, I'm about 30. Like, so if you are having, <laughs> if you haven't accepted who you are, then like that means that there's going to be problems later on down the line. Like you have to accept who you are. I'd rather you just well, like, hold on. Let's, let's, Let's uh, backpedal to the start of this talk where you said people talk about, oh, I need to change my life, so I changed. That's kind of what you just did just now. What do you mean? Accepting yourself is not a trivial thing. You say it like it's trivial. True. But that can be a journey and also it can be very complicated. It's not something that you can generalize to every individual. 
Very true. But at this point, I need someone who is on the process. Of That's the good. No, yeah. there, there's yeah. nothing wrong yeah. with that concept. I yeah. get that because they're on a different trajectory of life than you are. Yeah. Or a different part. You know? Yeah. Like, in a way, you're more mature because you are more comfortable to yourself. That's a good thing. It's oh, yeah, strength. yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because I'll tell somebody yeah. in a minute, here are my flaws. I'll, you can listen to the podcast. That's I, great. <laughs> I, I even put the podcast. I, as a matter of fact, I was on a date on Wednesday, and I put my podcast on there. I'm like, you can listen and find out everything. And she was asking me questions. Like, I forgot some of the stuff I said. I was like, I stand behind it. She's like, you used to be a cheater. How I'll, much did she actually, like, listen to it? Because if she's asking you, like, specific questions, did she, like, listen to multiple episodes? Oh, they do their research. Don't get it twisted. I'm always, like... I so mean, don't get me wrong. Like, people, like, you know, you know there's somebody's first name and last name. You'll, fo- you'll, you'll, you'll Facebook stalk them, yeah. you know? So, like... So, you know how, like, Tinder's just gives you the first name? Yeah. So, when we set up a date, one of my jokes that I make is, hey, my last name's McNeil. Uh, I just made your research easier. Like, that's the... That's pretty good. <laughs> no. I just tell them, like, hey, there it goes. Your re- do your research. You know? No, I mean, that, that's not bad as, like, a first tell. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, like, uh, for me, like, I prefer to build off of the profile. Yeah. But a lot of people have bad profiles. Very true. Like, I, I can't speak for guys because, like, I'm not looking at dudes' profiles. <laughs> but, um, I mean, there's been a few cases where, like, uh, a female friend of mine will pull up a dating app and then we'll just, like, <laughs> <laughs> judgmentally swipe together, <laughs> which is fun. Um, but... You know, no one's good at making a profile for the most part. So you do, if you're not given information, things that are generic, like, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, I could even just pull up a dating app right now. <laughs> well, what but. you got to do is you got to get girls to review. So I have I have a, a bunch of lady friends that I get to review my profiles. Like, would you swipe right on this? And they like they tell me which order to put my pictures in and whatnot. It's good feedback. It, it yeah, really no, is. I, I've done that before, too. Yeah, it yeah. works. We're on a, we've gotten so, we're on such a tangent right now, but I like it. I do. I do. Yeah. Like, like I don't I said, know where I, we started. I warned you, you know, I ramble. <laughs> I don't know where we started, but. We started uh, with what, who am I? Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, I would argue that hearing my perspective on these things define me as a person. Of course. I like that. So yeah. we're here. We've gotten a lot of dating stuff out. We've also gotten lots of data about me. Exactly. Uh, they can do their research. So if someone ever wants to know who Steve Wolf is, listen to episode. I think it's going to be 22 or 23 yeah. by the time it comes out. They can learn a lot about you. Yeah. Um, okay. So you got three movies on uh, more YouTube. More than that. On YouTube, though. You got... Uh, no, no, I got more than that. Uh, alternative Facts, Tinder, uh Oh, and then ADD, so four. Well, I guess, like, ADD is technically all one product. I guess yeah. it depends on how you want to look at it. Yeah. Uh, so I have another one coming out, too. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. Which one's that going to be? Or is this a secret? Is it a secret project? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not. I'm waiting until the end of ADD, but okay. the basic idea is that it's kind of like a short experimental film that conveys what it's like to have Tourette syndrome. Okay. So it's real short, less than a minute long. All right. Yeah. I can't wait to see it, man. Yeah, I actually filmed it at the end of the last day of filming of ADD with uh, Pamela Hardy and uh, Dustin Britt. Okay. So, like, after uh, uh, William left, we uh, I asked them if they wouldn't mind staying an extra, like, hour to film an idea that I had. And, yeah, it took us, like, 30 minutes, three shots, and got a movie out of it. That's cool. So, you, Tourette's, ADD... Uh, and uh, so, uh, do you like doing that type of stuff, like learning, like disability types, or 
learning disability types? Like di- like disabilities, like um, ADD. I won't call it a disability. I don't like the term disability. Okay. Yeah, personally. Uh, what do you, what do you what do you like? What do you like to? It's not one to call it a disability, but it's well, it's a it makes it harder to learn. There are neurological conditions. Makes it harder to learn. And yeah, no, I mean, like it helps the creativity. They, they are. I mean, you're you're not wrong about it. Like ADD is definitely can be an impediment, no doubt, yeah. for makes, sure. It makes it harder to learn. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Tourette's is a little more nuanced. Okay. Um, I don't know, know much about it, so tell me. I mean, for the most part, right? Tourette's is kind of like involuntary. Uh, body movements or per- perhaps like verbal outbursts. So it's not, I mean, it can be disruptive to other people in a learning environment, right? Like yeah. if, uh, depends on the severity, you know, it's on a spectrum as well, kind of like autism would be or something like that, where, you know, there's different degrees of severity for Tourette syndrome. Yeah. Some people it's going to be more subtle, other people it's going to be more severe where, I mean, the South Park episode's not a PC interpretation of Tourette syndrome. You know, like, it's not trying to be. It's just, you know. Yeah. It's a, it's a satirical show, fair enough. But, you know, there are some extreme cases where people will, you know, uncontrollably yell out certain words and stuff like that. Like, that's a thing. Um, but it's not always that severe or that extreme. So it's like ticks. It can be like a body well, that, movement. That is what yeah, Tourette's is, yeah. Like, okay. it's, it's ticks. So, like, that could be a verbal thing. It could be a physical thing. So do you like educating people on that through your films? Like... Uh, that'd be a cool takeaway from it. Um, that wasn't the original intent, but in a way it could be perceived that way where it's trying to convey somebody else's life experience. ADD wasn't intended to be that deep. It was. Like, the ending was very deep. It, it didn't start that way. It, <laughs> okay. it grew that way. Okay. You know, and that was kind of like a result of uh, dating situations that were going on at the time. So, you know, I, I wanted to incorporate my own struggles into the narrative. So, you know, like the whole therapy session was tacked on at the very end. <laughs> you know, like I, when I originally sat down with you and um, I forget the other guy's name. Uh, Malcolm. Oh, uh, no, no, not Malcolm. Not William. Uh, 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 I could have told you had not asked me. Uh, it's in my email account. Not Steve. Uh, it wasn't Steve. It was um, not Steve. That's not Shane. Even. Shane. There we go. It starts with an S. Yeah. I, I don't know his last name, but, Ryan. you know. Ryan. Ryan? Yeah, Shane that, Ryan? That's not right. That doesn't sound right. That's not right. It's two first there, names. There's, there's a different, That's too many there, first names. <laughs> there's a Shane Ryan out there who I, coached me once. There, there probably is a Shane Ryan. There is. I believe it. <laughs> uh, not this Shane, though. No, it's not Shane Ryan. Uh, um, but, yeah. Um, originally, right, it was just meant to be fairly lighthearted. But then I, I did certain things in the editing room and then also added things over the course of production. You know, like the, the music choice I chose makes things more somber and uh, a bit more... I don't know, psychologically profound, where I was trying to convey Malcolm's emotional state through the music. Okay. And even through, like, uh, some of the color choices within a scene. And Tenderzilla had, like, it had its parts where it had, like, a, a little uh, message in there. <laughs> it did. It had some dating messages in there. It, like it, a, it definitely was better from a message standpoint. Yeah. You know, like, it's very crude from a cinematography standpoint. Yeah. Like, editing would have been done very differently now just because I have more experience. Cinematography would have been done very differently. Photography would have been done differently as I've learned. Okay. The message I think is still fine. Yeah. The message is like the strong point of it. Audio could have been done better. <laughs> so, <laughs> like there's a lot of flaws to it, but th- the message I would still stand by because that was based on kind of like a real experience that I had. 
So do you like putting those deeper messages in your in your films? Yeah, I, I do when I can. Um, Tupperware from another world doesn't really have any deep <laughs> messages. I mean, we actually do throw some political things in there. Yeah. It's not the focus, but there is like deeper political messages in there. I like to think that you're preparing the world for plastic taking over. Like <laughs> you never know. And we we do throw some good jokes in there about plastic surgery and such. Yeah. Um, but uh, and alternative facts, there is definitely some political satire in there too. So there, it's definitely in every single movie. Just different degrees of depth. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, you said, and you told me this, and you also said on your website, you just decided to pick up a camera in 2000, June 2017, right? Yeah. Do you suggest that for anybody who wants to learn something? Just do it. Yeah. I mean, that, again, kind of like what you said at the start of this message, you know, change. Okay. There's a lot more involved than just that, of course. But, you know... As far as like paying to go to film school versus just doing it, at the end of the day, when you pay to go to film school, you're, you're paying essentially to build a resume. So theoretically, you can just do that without going to film school, yeah. as long as you have the proper motivation. There are other issues too with that. You know, it's not, so being a producer and a director in this area has its issues because this area itself is not really conducive or like a hub for filmmaking. Yeah. So it's. It's not exactly like, like I feel like I'm a ringleader most of the time where I'm trying to like maneuver people's motivation for one end goal because it doesn't matter how motivated I am filmmaking requires a group effort. So if I'm not using my effort appropriately and motivating people in the right way, I'll be a nerd and not accomplish anything. Do you have you had to work on your leadership skills at all? Definitely. And I mean, like, I, I've had my fair share of issues and mishaps that I've tried to learn from. Uh, to give you a good example with uh, Tupperware from Another World, um, so with the screenplay, Ryan and I, you know, we're kind of co-writing it at first, and that didn't go well. So since then, we've changed our way to, you know, be more conducive to our own work style. But yeah. um, essentially, we were waiting for a draft. Ryan was supposed to write the next draft, and... You know, instead of talking to him about it and saying, like, hey, like, every now and then I kind of, like, talk to him, but I didn't really confront about it and say, like, you know, we want to have a rehearsal, we want to start filming, that sort of thing. Instead, I kind of made a power play where I just wrote the draft myself after, you know, to be fair, it had been a while, it had been, like, a month and a half or so, two months. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of did it and said, let's meet. And so it forced Ryan's hand to write his draft, too. Yeah. But it was definitely, like, a passive-aggressive move. For okay. sure. Like, it got the goal that I wanted, but it's something I'm not proud of, if that makes any sense. What would you do differently now? Well, I would have just been more open and talked to him about it and, you know, even just said, like, oh, it's been, like, a month or so. Like, we really want to push production forward. Communication's important. True. True. And I could have done a better job with communicating instead of just making a power play like that. Okay. That's good to learn. That's good to learn. Uh, so let's talk about... Uh, some of the mistakes that you've made throughout. Well, that's life. one of them. <laughs> that's one of them. No, I, I would attribute that power play mistake. Okay, personally. power play mistake. That's what we'll label it. Label it. Yeah. Power play mistake. Um, what about some of the other mistakes that you made? You're you're a director. I know you got some mistakes in there. Man. Or decisions. Decisions. I feel like are just easier to talk about. Like I have tons of mistakes. Okay. But you know, like how impactful are they? 
that's a different story and a different kind of philosophical vein altogether. Most of the time, I don't think I have plenty of mistakes, no doubt. You know, like oh, I drank too much a given night. That was stupid. You know, or I don't know. Like, um, <laughs> I like mishaps. Okay. Maybe, maybe we, could, we might gravitate towards mistakes. You might actually fish it out of me. Okay. You know, just be patient, I guess, and ask the right questions. But um, I mean, I have some good like bad date mishaps. Okay. Oh, you broke your toe. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> what I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah, so I can give you some more minutia on that okay. incident. <laughs> Go right ahead. Yeah, like, I mean, in retrospect, I don't see it as a mistake. It was definitely a misstep, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, but, um, but, um, but yeah, so this girl, I was messaging her for a while. Uh, like, I was at, like, a conference, so it kind of, like, elongated when I could meet up with her. But even then, I just felt like the text-based communication was pretty solid you know like I felt like she was getting my sense of humor so I was pretty excited about meeting her sort of thing that's not like the norm truth be told like normally I'm just kind of like eh in the front (laughs) and like maybe it'll turn out well maybe it won't whatever I guess I just try to like set a low expectation um Uh, it's online dating you got to yeah people flake 24-7 yeah no people ghost all the time actually uh so I, before I came here, uh, I was watching the Duke game, and uh, I actually saw one, like a, an ex-date from one of the dating apps who ghosted on me. <laughs> the thing is, man, sometimes, like, you know how people say they don't want ghosting happening, like it's a bad thing? So I'm like the guy who'll be like, hey, I'm not really trying to go out anymore, or like... Well, like, that... I think is way better. I'd rather have somebody just tell me that than just ghost. I've gotten mean replies back, like, F you. And I'm like, I just could have not, t- I could have deleted your number I mean, and never. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess it's to each their own, right? Yeah. Like, I prefer somebody just saying, hey, I'm not feeling it. Or, you know, maybe some other bullshit excuse, like, oh, I have personal stuff going on right now. It's like, you, you know, it's a lie, but like, you know, Fine. I gotta tie my shoes. I can't. I I'll be okay with that. Like, just don't leave me hanging. Like, I I right. gotta tie my shoes. I can't go on a date. To each their own, right? Exactly. Like, I, I prefer just candidness. I'd rather you just be upfront and just say, "Hey, I'm not feeling it." That's cool. Like, I'm not gonna get upset or petty about it. Thus, the ejection button on a date. The minute you stop liking yeah. me on a first date, you can push that button, and I'm like, I'll go Fine. home. That's cool. I watch Netflix. I'll go home and write. Like. The second, even if we get there and I forget to pull out your chair, and you're yeah. like, you know what? Don't like you anymore. I'm like, okay, fair cool. enough. <laughs> let's go. I get it. <laughs> get it. I'll go home. Like, let's not waste each other's yeah. time for 30 minutes on small talk. Like, yeah, yeah, no. Like, that's the worst is when you're literally just like fixated on the time. Yeah. And you're just like, shit, it's only been five minutes. <laughs> when is like a socially acceptable time to eject? I've tried it, man. And I always get in trouble because I'm like, hey, like, 20 minutes, like, neither one of us are feeling this. Can we just both reclaim our time and go home? Got upset. I was like, you obviously don't like me. Like, you're giving me one-word answers, and now I've reciprocated. Yeah. That's the worst. One-word answers. It's like, (laughs) why are you even here? Like, what are we doing here? (laughs) Uh, What are we doing? What was I saying? I keep getting off on tangents. We're, We're talking about the broken toe incident. Oh, the broken toe incident. Yeah. So, yeah, anyways... Preface aside, essentially talking to this girl for a while, longer than normal before a meetup sort of thing, because I was in a conference. Um, and yeah, so I'm excited, so I figure I'm going to invest 
a little more time than normal or effort into this first date. Like normally I try to keep it simple because in my early days of dating, I would invest too much money. You know, like I would say, oh, let's go have dinner at this nice restaurant. And then that'd be it. You know, it'd be ghost immediately afterwards. And like, I literally just lost so much money. Because, you know, like, the expectation from a social standpoint is the dude pays for everything sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, you got to. You got yeah. to take stuff as and a if, dude And if you nowadays. don't, then you're just, like, a stingy asshole. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. you have no chance. So, like, you know, I lost a lot of money my first year of dating because, like, it was all just, like, you know, ghosting, ghost, ghost city, you know? Exactly. Uh, so then, you know, I kind of adapted and started just doing more low committal initial dates. And then, like, if things go well, I'll invest more. Because I'm getting some kind of reciprocation here, so, like, clearly you're interested, so, like, you're worth investing into. Like, I'm not going to invest into somebody who just doesn't give a shit. Exactly. That's just stupid. The walking date is one of my favorite dates, you know. Just, oh. Let's that's, go on that's a walk. Good. Let's go on a hike. Let's get I, go. Let's go get A, and I'll make sure I put A in capital letter, A or one drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, like, I typically don't assume... <laughs> Excuse me, sorry for burping. Um, like a hike is a good first date, simply because like I know I'm not going to do anything hairy or put a person in a very compromising situation. But it's online dating, so like, I try to think from the other person's perspective. Like if they insist on a hiking date, I'll say sure. But like I'm trying to think, like have I ever actually done that? No. Yeah. Like I really don't think I've gone on. Oh no, wait. One time I went to like the Duke Gardens on a first date. But it's like a very open public area where you have students always walking around. You yeah. know, like we're not going up to like the mountains. <laughs> that's like that's fairly hairy for like a first date in my opinion. I mean to each their own. Yeah. I mean, oh man, my roommate from what, like four years ago, the guy that she's still dating to this day, geez. <laughs> their first date was just so reckless on so many levels. Really? Yeah, like I mean, she was very candid about the setup. Mm. She's, you know, they're talking on Tinder or whatever. And, you know, essentially he's like, yeah, I got Coke. <laughs> so they like, get up, <laughs> do like Coke and ecstasy. And then <laughs> we now know they're what dating. From there. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that's really reckless for somebody that you just don't know. Some people are reckless, man. You never know. Like sometimes people yeah. are looking just for a good time. I like to call those Hail Mary throws. Like you just throw a Hail Mary. It's something. <laughs> Yeah. You say something crazy, and they're like, I'm down. And you're like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, to each their own, right? Yeah. I mean, more power to her. I never trusted her boyfriend, and to this day, I still don't. Yeah. Like, definitely the kind of person that whenever he was over, I always had one eye on him. <laughs> Got like, he said some, like, very uh, disconsorting shit all yeah. the time, and it just made me very uncomfortable. Got to put your stuff in your room, lock the door. <laughs> uh, I, uh, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I did not trust. Like, I'll only give you one narrative, not to focus too much on him. Um, we were, like, on our back patio. It's high elevation, probably, like, a 15 to 20-foot drop to the, you know, ground below it. And, you know, for whatever reason, we're just talking about, like, jumping off the back porch because, you know, that's what rational people do. <laughs> you know, I guess, you know, I'm like, yeah, if you fell off of that, you would at least break your legs, if not die. Yeah. And he's like, no, I wouldn't. Let me show you. <laughs> and I legit had to restrain him because he was about to jump off this 20-foot balcony to prove to me he wouldn't break his legs. And I'm like, you're fucking stupid. <laughs> Remember, we're on the radio right now. Oh. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, it's crazy because like, when people do stuff like that, part of me is like, 
as a responsible human being, I cannot let this person make this dumb decision. But then there's a part of me that's like... Maybe I should just let him make this bad choice. Exactly, like, you do you. Well, like, I guess, like, for me, I also kind of rationalized it that if he did that, I would have a policeman over and an ambulance. And I'd have to deal with that. <laughs> so it was really so... 75% of it was selfish. Like, you cared about his safety, but the other part Not was really. like... <laughs> <laughs> no, like, honestly, like... I just didn't like the guy, but... You'd have to deal with police. No, like, I'd have to deal with a lot of crap if <laughs> yeah. he jumped off the balcony. <laughs> like, he definitely would have broken his legs or died. Yeah. Well, you're a good human being. <laughs> uh, I'd have been like, uh, uh, I'd have had to call him. My grandma's my moral support when I need to make a moral decision. <laughs> can you hold on a <laughs> hold second? A second. Call, I gotta call my mom, <laughs> grandma. Grandma, uh, this person wants to jump. <laughs> it's and 20 they, feet. <laughs> They've really gotten on they my did. nerves tonight. Like, like Grandma, he's really gotten on my nerves. Like, I really don't care if he jumps. Should I let him? <laughs> I had to call in front of him, too. Like, I really don't like this dude. He's standing right here, Grandma. He can hear all He can hear me right now. <laughs> Should I let him jump? <laughs> but no, I wouldn't. I wonder what my grandma would say. I mean, she would definitely tell me to stop him, too. See, yeah. I like to say the spectrum. Like, my grandma's on, like, the 100% nice spectrum, like, it would be snowing outside, and she'd give you the straight off her back. Yeah. And so I'm, like, on the other end. It's like, <laughs> I got to ask some questions about why you're out here in the snow first. <laughs> I, have to, I have to find out why you're here. Like, did you make a lot of bad decisions? Then I might give you the shirt, you know? I mean, I, I lean more towards your perspective. Uh, I feel like my dad takes people too often at face value. Yeah. And there's a lot of guile in the world. Not like, you know, not everyone is a bad person. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I don't think that at all. But, um, like, to give you an example um, – my dad and mom were visiting me recently, and, uh, you know, we're walking downtown Durham after dinner, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, like, a homeless guy comes up and gives, like, a fairly generic spiel of, oh, I'm a vet in the Air Force. And, you know, my dad's sitting there, like, talking to him for, like, you know, a minute or two and then gives him some money and stuff. And then my dad's like, you know, he was telling me a pretty convincing story about, you know, how he was a ex-vet. And I'm like, what did he say? <laughs> and, like, literally all he said was that I was a paratrooper. You know, doesn't even give, like, the troop that he was in or yeah. division. Like, very generic. Like, anyone could have cobbled that together with half a brain. See, I, I'm you know, like, like the, <laughs> I'm like the, I just, like, I'll give you a dollar if I got it. Like, I won't ask questions. Here's a dollar. Not going to invest too much. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. like, or even with servers, right? I'm pretty consistent with servers. Like, everybody gets 20%, whether you're the greatest server in the world or the worst server in the world. So, like, I, I give 20% for the most part. Um... I'll tip over if it's exceptionally good, and I'll tip nothing if it's flagrantly bad. <laughs> like, I've had some cases where it was, like, obscenely bad. Yeah. But, like, for the most part, if it's bad service, I tip 15%. Okay. I, I, cheat, yeah. I cheat the really good servers. Like, I'm sorry. If you're the best server in the world, you're getting 20%, and that makes up for the terrible server when, I was, at, when I was at Chili's. Uh, four <laughs> weeks ago, she didn't deserve no, like I should have taken money from her paycheck, but she got twenty percent. Like, why are you in at Chili's? Come on, you can do better. <laughs> hey man, sometimes you got to go to Chili's. They have Fair the enough. the honey chipotle uh, the honey chipotle uh, chicken tenders. Oh, dude, come on, dude. heavenly buffaloes. Man, sometimes like you don't like it. No, no, I do. Yeah, but like, like, come on. like that's like the king of 
a fried chicken right there. One thing I'll say is like, no matter how classy my taste, no matter how much money I make, right? Sure. I still have those low class tastes, and I like it. No, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Every now and then I'll have a spam sandwich, just to just to remind me of back in the day when my mom would cook spam, and I thought it was like, um, what is it called? Like legendary food, like high class. My mom bought spam instead of you know, the Walmart I've never, brand. I've never had spam before. Really? Yeah. Man, I used to have the Walmart brand, and then when we were doing well, my mom would buy the actual Spam Spam, and that was like high class, eating at a five-star restaurant. The Spam Spam. Fried on up good. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we were talking about, oh, you're, we haven't even got to the broken toe yet. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I rambled. <laughs> oh, me too, man. Yeah. Um, dangerous uh, combination, then. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, I decide... Yeah, that's right, because I talked about, like, what I normally do for dates, and that led to <laughs> yeah. spam. <laughs> As one does. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, so anyways, I decided to invest more in this particular date just because um, there seems to be, like, pretty good chemistry before we've even met up, that sort of thing. So I figured, like, okay, let's do something eccentric. Um, let's go to Defy Gravity, an indoor trampoline park in Raleigh, and we'll go to a nice restaurant afterwards. It's like, you know, I'm kind of breaking my status quo by doing two things that I normally wouldn't do. Because, you know, after a certain point, I stopped doing dinner. Unless, like, it just came up naturally in conversation through the app. Sometimes yeah. that happens. Like, you talk about a restaurant, and like, oh, let's go meet up there. Yeah. Sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, we go to Defy Gravity. And uh, it wasn't my first rodeo there. I've been there before. And uh, so we're going through. It seems like it's going pretty well. You know, like, she's flirtatiously kind of pushing me here and there and stuff like okay. that. So it's like, all right, this is going pretty well. The flirtatious touch. Yeah, you know, like the flirtatious push. You okay. know, it's like, you know, we're we're nagging each other in a in a playful manner, that sort of thing. And uh, so there's this like ninja course in there. I don't I don't know if you've ever been or not. I've been to uh, the one on Glenwood. I don't know if it's Defy Gravity, but there's a triangle. I think that's actually the one, like Glenwood in Raleigh. Yeah, the Glenwood in Raleigh. Yeah, yeah, like it's kind of like in a warehouse. Yeah, like it's right by, I think a Lowe's. Is it a Lowe's? Is there a it Lowe's? It might be. Uh, in a movie theater? I don't know. I, it's on Glenwood. It, it may be the okay. same place. Okay. I, I, I'm not good with my Raleigh geography. Okay. I, I just know it's somewhere in there. Um, Glenwood sounds correct. Okay. Um, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> we can't go on that tangent. We can't. Yeah. <laughs> we must refrain. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so anyways, um, so it, it seems like it's going well. We go to the ninja course, um, and we're at the very end of it where uh, – I don't know if you've ever seen the show uh, American Ninja Warrior, but uh, they have this, like, steep vertical ramp, essentially. Yeah. You know, not like a perfect, you know, 90-degree angle, but, it, you know, it's slightly off – so you could feasibly run up it and scale it, that sort of thing. They have a much smaller version of it. <laughs> it's not nearly as impressive. It's the same one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll stick to that. Okay. <laughs> um, I had done it before because it wasn't my first time going to Defy Gravity. So I'm like, okay, like, I got this. So I start running, and mid-stride, I slip. And just, like, my toe, all my body weight, all my momentum just essentially kicks like a vertical wall. So it just like caves in and cracks like like that. And um, you know, like I, I had adrenaline pumping so it, the pain didn't really sink in right away. So I kind of like limp a little bit because you know, my toe just caved in. And uh, you know, she kind of jokingly you know, does like another flirtatious push and is like, oh you can just try it again. And then I look down and it's just like 
my toe is gushing blood. <laughs> and I just like looked at him, just like, I need first aid. <laughs> we go to the front, and uh, the uh, the person working behind the desk just goes full pale. Like, you know, he's, he's not used to seeing blood, fair enough. <laughs> and, you know, I, like, I ask him for a first aid kit, and he comes back, this like little tin box. All that's in there is like one Band-Aid, <laughs> no hydrogen peroxide. So like no way to clean the wound, just one Band-Aid. So then I ask him, okay, do you have rubbing alcohol, <laughs> hand sanitizer? And then I got like some paper towels and masking tape and I just like use the rubbing alcohol, stung like hell, but you know, got the job done. That's when I realized how bad it was. Cause like the blood was covering the severity of the wound for me yeah. and the adrenaline was covering the pain. So I didn't really realize the severity and so I was still, like, contemplating, like, okay, we can still go to dinner. <laughs> um, yeah, so I clean my wound, use some paper towels and masking tape, and uh, then I kind of ask her, can you drive me to the ER? Because my car was manual. Yeah. And so I didn't think I could, like, stick shift with one of my feet not working. So, yeah, she drove me to the ER. Um, Trostinoff says that she's going to find parking. And uh, I don't hear from her for, for like 15 minutes. And then she calls me and says, oh, I couldn't find parking. And I knew she was lying because when she dropped me off, I saw the parking spots. <laughs> it was completely vacant. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, you know, like there's no point in making a scene. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh, thanks anyways. I appreciate the ride yeah. sort of thing. And then I spend the next eight hours in the ER. <laughs> <laughs> was your toe broken? Uh, fractured. Okay, fractured. But it ended up being quite a journey of recovery. Um, like, the fracture itself was fine. That took, like, probably, like, two to three months. And I was in a boot, hobbling around. But then after that, like, I started doing jiu-jitsu after I recovered from the fracture. And because, like, essentially my toenail had to be removed, because the toenail itself was embedded in the skin and the bone. So they had to, like, remove the toenail altogether and let it grow back. But, uh... Fun fact, when your toenail is completely removed and grows back, sometimes it becomes ingrown pretty easily, too. Yeah. So I did jiu-jitsu, and you do a lot of planting off your feet. And so it kind of, like, forced my toenail to, like, get in the flesh where it's not supposed to go. Yeah. And it became ingrown. So then I had to get surgery again to, like, essentially, like, truncate the toenail so it was no longer jetting into the skin. So overall, it was probably like a solid like four to five months of recovery. I watched one of those surgeries on YouTube. I, I, I got yeah. obsessed with watching surgeries on YouTube. Ingrown toenail was disgusting. Because it, 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 yeah. it wasn't the fact that it was disgusting. It's the fact that they had like this long-ass needle that they had to use. And then to, when they, to numb the region because like, they want to eject in the nerve. Exactly. Yeah. And then when I like saw them put it in the toe, I was like, that whole needle was in their toe. Like, it, I was like, I almost threw up. So, yeah, that was one of the surgeries that – I didn't. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't fun to live through either. Oh, man. Like, would you have rather have just been like, look, I expected to go on a date and go to dinner. I didn't expect you to break your toe. I'm not coming back. Would you have appreciated that more than her just driving off? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I got that. <laughs> she didn't really need to say it. It was pretty tacit. <laughs> Did you bleed in her car? No. Okay. No, like, like I did a good job patching myself up. Okay. You know, okay. I'm, I'm an Eagle Scout. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I quit broke Boy Scouts for then. I, uh, you know, I never would have got Eagle if it wasn't for my dad. It really pushed lie. me to the end. Like, I got, like, three quarters of the way there and then just kind of stagnated. <laughs> and it wasn't until, like, <laughs> months before I was 18 that my dad, like, pushed me through the finish line. That's good, though, man. Yeah. Like. I wish I would have finished. Like, I, I wish I would have done it. Because it just teaches you to have your eye on the 
the prize and not just worry about the little day-to-day. I mean, you have to worry about the little day-to-day, but it also teaches you to be, like, think a big picture, too. But. Yeah, it's actually kind of interesting. I actually, in my car right now, like, too far away, I'm not going to walk in the rain, no offense. <laughs> yeah. um, I actually have my Eagle Scout project in there. Uh, last time I saw my parents, uh, they were cleaning out old boxes, and they actually had my Eagle Scout project in a binder. It's cool that my dad preserved that. <laughs> like, it's, it's one cool thing about what my dad's done, is, um, and I'm grateful for it. It's something that, in the moment, I was agitated about, always taking pictures, that sort of thing. But like now, in retrospect, it's pretty cool that you know, he's really curated all these images from different time points in my life and can just give it to me in a binder. It's kind of cool. My grandma's that way. Like she would take pictures, and I get really annoyed as a kid. But I can't oh, remember yeah. anything. And yeah, I'm like, no, I'm like, this is great. <laughs> I'm like, I did this. We went to Disney World. I yeah. completely forgot. You know? Oh man. So I mean, like one mistake I can think of as a kid, which like has no real ramifications now, yeah. or well, I guess in the immediate. Um, I watched like the movie Aladdin. And, um, you know, like, one of the scenes when they're in the baser, they have, like, a guy, like, stick, like, a sword down his throat. I thought that was cool. Instead of a sword, I stuck a, you know, pool stick down my throat. And, obviously, that jagged up my throat on the inside, and I had to go to the ER. (laughs) Oh, man. I was probably, like, seven? (laughs) Maybe younger? I hope younger. (laughs) You know, I used to think that those, like, jackass warnings were dumb because like who would do that stuff oh no i was dumb enough to do that shit well like now that i have like a niece and like she imitates everything that she sees i'm like you have to warn parents and let them know that your kids might try this we're a social species we learn we emulate what we observe exactly yeah exactly i mean that's part of the reason i was a bad dater i listened to too much rap music back in the day (laughs) (laughs) um it's crazy that you went to uh defy gravity for a date because like whenever i go on those like really i don't say kitty dates but like where you can be a kid i never pay attention to my date like i can't go to like an arcade because i'll just forget yeah you're like i'm I'm just trying to get this high school (laughs) like like, i'm on a date right now like (laughs) I've been pl- I've been playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for an hour. Now. Oh crap! I'm on a date. Like I get too excited. <laughs> She's gone. I, exactly. <laughs> so I have to go to very like adult places because my inner yeah. kid comes out. Um, we're almost at the end of the hour, so I have to like skip past part three, do part four because it's the most important. Then if okay. we have more time, we get back to part three. Right, what, it was a tangent, man. Uh, the surprise is a motivational speech. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put some music. Oh, you got to put on the headphones. You got to put on the headphones, actually. Um, And I'm going to put on some music, and you just give your motivational speech about whatever you learned in life. Act like you're talking to some high school kids. You just walked out on stage, and and you're Tony Robbins right now. Like, you're giving a a speech. Uh, So give me the thumbs up, and I will start the music whenever you're ready. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a good surprise. Oh, man. This is going to be a disaster. (laughs) I mean, I don't think it's going to improve the longer I wait, so I just say go for it. All right. Do I just go? You just go. I'm not sure if there's like a natural prelude. You're actually on stage and you're talking to the guy in the back (laughs) right now. (laughs) Like, I'm sitting there telling you, go, go. (laughs) So, you know, life's just too short for you not to pursue something that makes you happy. It's easy to default to something that's safe, but 
safety is not necessarily what's going to be the most fulfilling in your life. And I feel like taking risks, challenging yourself, and I don't know, not, not accepting defeat. Like, I feel like defeat has value, even if in the moment it can be very demoralizing. I don't know, I feel like my failures have been my greatest moments for improvement. Even in filmmaking, I, I would not have been able to make ADD if it wasn't for the disaster that alternative, or even the Keeper, Keepers of Balance Part 1. <laughs> that was a fantastic disaster, but it was a learning experience, an opportunity for leadership, and uh, that's valuable. Um, <laughs> do I just keep going? Uh, you tell me when you're done. You just walk off, drop the mic and walk <laughs> off stage. So I guess just don't be afraid. You know, life's too short to let fear control your life. Take risks and do what makes you happy. Drop the mic. And there we go. I have no idea how motivational that actually was. It was good. It was good, man. I like that I surprised you with it, too. Because some people know it's coming. That's why I was telling you, like, uh, I so want to have, like... three scenarios. I had no idea. Good, because yeah. that's how I like it for most people to be. So most people haven't listened, so they're surprised. But some people come prepared. But now to, to throw a kink in their arm, or I'm going to have, like, I'm working on three different things. Permutations. That, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. you never know what I'm going to hit you with, you know? Uh, but that was good, man. Uh, let me ask you one question from part uh, three. Sure. And what I like to do is I like to ask, get people's perspective on life. And that's, like... Just general questions. So what do you do when you don't feel like doing anything? Like if you, oh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I mean, usually I just play like video games or that, that's usually the default is just literally just do nothing. Which what if you great. have a task that needs to be accomplished, but you don't feel like doing it? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's tough. I mean, man, give me a moment to think about this. I mean, what do I... I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, like, I feel like deadlines help me because I function pretty well under pressure. Like, for me, it's, like, easier for me to put something off when it's not pressing. But when, like, I legit, like, if I don't have an option, like, I just, I just do it out of maturity. Yeah. Which, like, you know, easier said than done. But. I like that heartbeat. Like, am I going to get this done in time type? No, like, the, the rush can be exhilarating. Exactly. Like, I don't like to artificially impose pressure. But I do function well under it when it's applied. Me too. Me too, man. Um, okay, uh, what makes you smile with joy? Oh man, that's a that's a good question. Oh man. <laughs> um, you know, probably just my niece. Okay. Yeah. We got a niece too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, she's like three years old. Okay. Yeah. She's cool. I'm working on 25 months. Uh. What are some things in life that don't matter? Oh, man. <laughs> Hitting me with all those uh, tough <laughs> questions here. Um, well, besides reality TV <laughs> and celebrities' lives, um, which I would say those don't matter. Um, man. You know, usually the problems of today end up not mattering in the grand scheme of things, no matter how profound they may seem in the moment. That's deep. That's deep. I wanted to like ask you a follow-up question, but that's like a good one. Uh, the problems today don't... They may seem big and profound in the moment, but in the grand scheme of things, it's just like a pebble in the pond. Last question for you. What the world would be a better place if... 
Man. I think my biggest issue is that I overthink a lot of things. Okay. So I'm trying to give like a substantial answer here. Um, I, I just don't want to say something cliche, you know? <laughs> There's so many cliche <laughs> ideas in my head. But it's just like, no, it's, you, it's what you're thinking. I know, I know. Oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's usually like the little things that can improve somebody's day. Something as simple as, you know, asking them how they're feeling or holding the door open for somebody or I guess just doing a, even a small act of kindness to somebody can have larger ramifications in the grand scheme of things. Sweet. So what do you want to leave the people with? Like, what do you got going on in your life? Like, what's going on? Task, or not task, uh, things that are coming up. Um, so I need to get my motivation in check. Okay. And uh, so I have three half-baked screenplays I've been working on. And my goal is, by the end of the month, do my casting call for my next project. Okay. So um, I'm hoping I can just get my crap together and finish at least one of those half-baked screenplays. Okay. And... Uh, Hit the ground running. You got ADD? Yeah. You want to pitch that real quick? Yeah, sure. Um, so it originally started as kind of a, <laughs> just like a co sketch comedy, lighthearted, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm doing a really bad, bad job here. I guess like the pitch is essentially, it's about a character who's struggling with a combination of a breakup and attention deficit disorder at work and throughout other aspects of his life. And he is fixated on the idea of medicating himself to fix his problems, but then it ends up not being the real solution for him to get his life together. And he has a wonderful best friend. The best of best friends. <laughs> the best of best friends, yeah. played by yours truly, Mick Neal, my first acting gig. Is it really? I, yeah. No, I never oh, acted. I, I loved working with you. Hey, thank you, thank you. I just, Malcolm had a great best friend. Oh, the best of best. <laughs> no, uh... So, uh, lead the people with one last profound thing, and we'll get out of here. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> or just what do you want to leave them with? Um, shoot. I don't think I can beat what I said about, you know, <laughs> today's issues may seem large and profound, but in the grand scheme of things, they're just a pebble in the pond. But like I said before, life's too short to let fear control your life. And that was this episode of Humor and Mistakes with McNeil, my guest Steve Wolf. We're here every week, Saturday at 5 p.m. on 103.5 FM, WOMCOM radio station. To be honest, that's not what they call it. I've learned now they don't call it WOMCOM, but we're going to keep it calling it WOMCOM. There's no WOM in there at all. Everybody, let me tell you this. It's 2019. Everybody makes mistakes, but it's okay.